Hi there, I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spa Doctor Podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking about how to be free from anxiety. This time of year during the holidays, we're more prone to feeling stressed and anxious. So on today's podcast, my guest covers her five-step holistic approach to addressing anxiety. Dr. Alice Fong is my guest. She is a naturopathic doctor specializing in anxiety and stress management who helps people develop more awareness of their minds and bodies to give them the power back to heal themselves. She practices in both the Bay Area and Sacramento, California, as well as virtually in order to have a larger global impact. She is creator of the Healing Around the World Project, introduction leader for Landmark, video blog host of Love Lessons with Dr. Alice, and an inspirational speaker and coach. She strongly believes that the mind-body connection is an essential component of health, and having love and happiness for yourself and for your life are very important. In today's interview, we cover everything from best and worst foods to eat, key nutrients, underlying causes, and mindfulness tools to help reduce stress and anxiety. So please enjoy this interview. Alice, welcome to the Spa Doctor Podcast. It's great to have you on. Well, thank you, Trevor. It's good to be on. Yeah, so I know we are talking about anxiety today. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't have anxiety, especially this time of the year? <laughs> so it's oh, I know to talk about. And so what, what led you to specialize in this area, first of all? You know, I actually suffered from anxiety myself for a long time and had racing thoughts all the time, especially through med school. I think that just amplified my anxiety to a whole nother level where, you know, I remember finals week, we had nine finals in one week and it was insane. And uh, I was like surviving off of uh, Rockstar energy drinks and getting four hours of sleep and it was not working and it only... It didn't, it didn't improve my performance at all. And I realized like anxiety can really be detrimental to like having a fulfilled and enjoyable life. So uh, I've, I've dealt with, I've done so many things for myself. I've been on personal development retreats, meditation retreats. I've done biofeedback, counseling, all sorts of things for myself. And I utilize a lot of those tools when I help my patients. Right. Okay, great. So when you, when we think about under what's underlying anxiety, what do you mm -hmm. think, you know, as an naturopathic physician, we always talk about the root cause. So what do you think mm -hmm. about some of these underlying causes of anxiety? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of the underlying anxiety is caused by believing that our thoughts are the reality of the situation. Like all of us have this little voice in our head that's like, chattering, 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 and saying things like, I'm not good enough. Oh, it's got to be better. It's all these, like, oh, like the worst could happen. You've got to be prepared and all these things that feel like the truth and reality of the situation. But it really, it's just thoughts. And when we can separate ourselves from like, hey, these are thoughts I have occasionally, then we can actually be freed up to just continue on in life in a lot of different ways. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, like, you know, we were talking about, it's it's normal to have some anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It's just mm-hmm. that it's a lot about how we manage it. And at mm-hmm. certain times of our lives, that anxiety is worse. And so if we can support ourselves during those times, especially as we're going into a potential situation where we know that there were going to be more triggered for this, then mm-hmm. it's going to, it's, we're going to set ourselves up for success, right? So what are some of the things, some of the tools that you think are so important to help support people through ang- times of high anxiety? Yeah, I think that's a great question too. I, there's so many, so many different tools and I, I use kind of like a multifaceted approach. Um, actually, I developed like this new system called the Amore system, which is like five parts, a holistic approach that, you know, the first part is really looking at like your Amore. I'm trying to figure out something that started with A. So, so I started with like amazing nutrition. Amazing nutrition is, is like the foundation. You are, would be so surprised how much food affects how you feel. And, you know, especially around the holidays are really stressful. You start like eating a bunch of sugar and junk and, and you feel more stressed and that's just a coping mechanism. And when you can like focus on those whole foods, you can really like feel a little more balanced in your body. That's actually balancing your hormones. That's balancing your blood sugar levels. That is really essential. Uh, The second part of the Amor system, the M stands for mindfulness. Mindfulness can be from counseling or meditation, uh, other different techniques. I do hypnotherapy, I do biofeedback. There's a lot of different tools within the mindfulness realm. And I think that's really essential to treat anxiety. Uh, the O in, a more, in the more system is standing for ordering labs. Because we really got to see, as a naturopathic doctor, you know, we have to really look at the underlying root cause to our concerns. So maybe there's some underlying medical condition that you're completely unaware of. Maybe it's a thyroid issue. Maybe it's an autoimmune issue that's contributing to the anxiety that you have no idea is going on. And that can manifest in a lot of different ways. The U stands for uncovering pathologies or diseases or those from, from ordering reviewing the labs, basically, uncovering like nutritional deficiencies, maybe you're deficient in magnesium or um, certain B vitamins, vitamin D that can contribute to things. Maybe there's underlying food allergies too. So that can be also like gluten and dairy. Those could be contributing factors as well. And then the R, my favorite, the last part of the more is the restore, renew, reshape, re-energize your body. That's like the the best part is like really taking the time to care for yourself because a lot of, I feel like a lot of us are just in this hamster wheel. Go, 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 go. And we don't take the time to like see what we need for ourselves to listen to our body, to listen to our intuition and move forward with that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so let's go through, I want to go back through mm-hmm. some of these. So when you talk about amazing foods um, mm-hmm. or amazing nutrition, um, what are, well, you talked about the foods that are the big trigger foods, like sugar, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. processed foods. And I know those are foods that we're so often crazy, craving when mm-hmm. we are stressed or 
tend going into high anxiety times. So what are some tips to help people avoid those foods? And then what are the foods that are more nourishing to the body that, that you encourage people to replace them with? Yeah. So sugar, I know it is my, my, my weakness as well. I've done the elimination diet. If for those of you who don't know what the elimination diet, it's a, it's not about losing weight. It's about figuring out what food sensitivities you have. And I've done it myself, probably five. I always do it in January, just right after the holidays, because I need to reset my body too, because that sugar, it just creeps in. And then there's points, like I know when the sugar cravings are controlling my brain, because I will want to go to the store in the middle of the night and get something sweet. And that's, that's when I know that's, that's when the problem is happening. And so that's when I know, like the, really the, the best and only way I think to cut it, to, to remove those cravings is to cut it out for a while. And you have to go through that withdrawal, which is really, for me, like cutting out glue and dairy, not that hard, but the sugar, the withdrawal is the hardest. And I was actually at um, a medical conference like two years ago. And uh, something I learned and discovered in that conference was that it's not just, this is, this is how I like encourage my patients. It's, it's not just a lack of willpower when you, when you run off to the store to get that sugar. It's actually what happens to your body is when you eat all that processed junk in the sugar, it actually feeds the bad gut bacteria that tells, sends signals to your brain to say, keep eating that junk because that's what helps me grow and flourish. Even though it's not good for your body, it helps me, the bad gut bacteria. So really the, the best way to get rid of that is to like starve them out. Don't give them the food that they want. And so that's going to be a process. Is I, I'd say like give yourself at least a week, get that like, oh, you'll, you won't, won't even realize how much you crave that sugar until you cut it out. And you realize, oh man, I want to run to the store. And that's when you're like, no, I can't do it. Starve those suckers out and, and promote the healthy gut bacteria with like vegetables. I always say you can go to town as much vegetables as you want. I'm, I'm a person that doesn't emphasize like a low calorie diet. Um, I actually emphasize high quality foods and eat as much high quality foods as you want. And that includes as many as many vegetables as you can handle. So you're never hungry. Um, and then, you know, just some healthy proteins that could be some lean meats, like um, some chicken, fish, maybe beef on occasion, um, or, or beans if, if you're vegetarian. And yeah, having some quality fats, like avocado is a good source, fish is a good source, healthy nuts, seeds. Those are some good sources of healthy fats. Olive oil, of course, yeah. Great, great. Those are fantastic. And, you know, I think like, like you said, vegetables, eat more vegetables. And, and so I think if people make it easy and have, because okay. one of the things about sugar, sugary, high sugary foods is they're usually really easy to grab. And when you're mm -hmm. hungry, it's really easy to grab those first. But if you make vegetables easy, which chopping them up and having them all prepped and ready to go and you eat those first you're going to be less likely to grab those sugar high sugar foods right it's because you'll grab those first get rid of that that immediate hunger or that that desire to just chew on something <laughs> sometimes it's oh, just, i know <laughs> we just need something to chew on and so if you're chewing on like zucchini or sticks mm -hmm. or cucumber sticks or 
cherry tomatoes or something like that, you're just chewing on those instead, then, then, then hopefully you won't need to grab the sugar as much, right? Um, okay, great. And I know you, you talk about mindfulness practice and you mm -hmm. mentioned hypnosis as one of the tools that you do. How, mm -hmm. how does that play in? How do you put that? When do you recommend that for people? How do you put that into your patient care? Yeah, it is really, really amazing and effective for people with anxiety, especially like phobias and fears. I've, I've treated people with like fears of flying, fears of driving. Um, and it, it's really, really effective. Like I remember doing like two sessions with a person who had fear of flying and it resolved her fear. And what, what it does is like how hypnotherapy works is that it's kind of, or how I do it. It's actually a, a specific type of technique, the neuro-linguistic reprogramming. And what it involves, is kind of like meditation combined with counseling. So I'm not just talking at you the whole time. I'm actually... Um, I'm, I'm talking, I'm guiding you. It's kind of like a relaxing guided meditation as I get you into that trans state, as I call it. So you're nice and relaxed. And I think it's sometimes faster and more effective than traditional talk therapy because you're in that relaxed state instead of staying in your brain and your head and like intellectually, you can understand how things are working, but on an emotional level, you, you're still like not following those similar repetitive unhealthy bat behaviors or thought patterns. And so what hypnotherapy does is like, once we get you into that relaxed state, we all be conversing with you, kind of like counseling you to help you discover what's in your subconscious mind that's getting in your way from like being more effective in life. And it's, it's, it's really an amazing tool. Oh, usually, and it's safe. It's like, I can't, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Um, I can't make you like, 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 there's no like risk of like me, you doing something immoral, something like that, but it's pretty right. safe and powerful. And usually people feel really positive and confident after even just like one session, but it does take, you know, a few sessions depending on the severity of your case as well. Yeah. You know, we've all heard or seen those hypno hip hypnotherapists or um, people that do performances where they make people do things that, that they don't even remember doing. Um, so it's not like that. Right. No, no, no. no like that's like stage trick. hypnosis. That's not, no, I won't make you quack like a duck or <laughs> anything like that. No, this yeah. is real. And I, I used um, a while back, I, I had a fear of swimming. Cause I oh, had um, an, a near drowning experience when I was a kid. Wow. And so I worked with a hypnotherapist who also did NLP, neuro, neuro linguistic mm -hmm. programming. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was great because I was able to overcome that fear and actually did a mini triathlon with a wow. swim in the ocean in Santa Barbara. Yeah. So I, that was years ago when I, when I lived in Santa Barbara, but I mean, I'm forever grateful for that. It was such a powerful tool. And, and now I'm comfortable swimming laps. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my fear wasn't extreme to begin mm -hmm. with, but I was amazed though, that how it would, it was limiting my ability to just swim laps and enjoy swimming. And then I got to the point where actually I enjoy it. So it's, it's a, That's it's great. a very, very powerful tool. And so I encourage people to, to find a practitioner that's really good. Is there some sort of um, training that, peop that, you, that people should look for when it comes to 
hypnotherapy or NLP that is mm -hmm. kind of like a good, good place to look? You know, I trained with Mary Lee LeBay and she is an amazing trainer. She's been in this work for decades and she's incredible. Uh, I did her, um, her programs as um, continuing education through the Bastyr University, which is where I went to medical school. So it, it was an incredible tool and I, I love it. Um, my patients love it. They feel good when they do it. And, and yeah, like you were said about the swimming, it's, it's not like, a, a live or die kind of situation, but you know, it is limiting and that's what people find, you know, a fear of flying or fear of driving or fear of anything or is limiting you to having like a more full life. And mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. And I like to let people right. know that. Right. I mean, because it, like you said, it gets in the way of your life. Like for mm -hmm. me, I had little kids and I was thinking, gosh, if I can't swim strong, if they fall in the water and I, I'm not a strong swimmer, that's that that's tough for me and also i want to be able to empower them with swimming and and feeling comfortable in the water so if i have that fear most likely i'm going to pass it along to them mm -hmm. and i think as as parents or teachers or any anybody that tries to guide other people they pick up on our fears and our anxieties mm -hmm. so if we can and uh reduce or eliminate them then not only we're going to help ourselves we're going to help the people around us right mm -hmm. Yeah, right. it's very empowering. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so well, let's just talk about some of these underlying causes you talked about. Mm -hmm. Because if, if someone has some of these root causes, they may not even realize they're connected to the anxiety uh, that they're having. Like you mm -hmm. mentioned some, uh, some thyroid and autoimmune diseases and hormonal imbalances mm -hmm. that are related to anxiety. So can you explain more about that, what people should look for? Yeah, that's really comes to, you know, it, anxiety doesn't necessarily come as like a, so, I mean, it sometimes it's just like a soul symptom in itself and that's all your experience. But usually if you're noticing like other, other things, like you have difficulty losing weight or you have joint pain, or you just feel like fatigued and you just feel like gross in your body all the time. I, I would want to like say maybe there's something else going on that and that's also contributing and then like you feeling gross or not good in your body that's like feeding into your anxiety or your depression and that anxiety depression feeds into whatever you're having and then it just like circles around continuously so really I I recommend people like you know get checked out by their doctor whether it's a naturopathic doctor or your primary care and make sure you get the the blood blood tests to rule out any of those conditions because if that's not being addressed then it will continue to like feed into like your your condition is going to feed into your anxiety and that anxiety is going to feed into your condition and what happens over time is like if you're in a prolonged anxious or stressed state um there you're kind of like stuck in this um there's this our part is you know, like our nervous system, that, that sympathetic nervous system. For those of you who might not know that, that's your fight or flight mode. And if you're stuck there, that's really like detrimental to your health because it decreases your immune function. It um, makes you, so that makes you more susceptible to diseases and it just messes your whole body in a lot of, a lot of different ways. So I always like talk about the the um, autonomic nervous system and, and how to balance that with biofeedback. 
Great, great. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I think working with a naturopathic physician like yourself or, or you know, like one of us or um, a functional medicine doctor that can help identify, help you figure out what those other health challenges might be, identify them through different, for different lab work and various things to determine what exactly is behind this and addressing those other health issues so you don't have anxiety around those and also mm. trying to figure out what your unexplained symptoms might be related to, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What are some of the, the tests that you like to do with your patients to help, help reveal their root causes? Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot of um, patients come to me with thyroid issues and all, all they've been tested for is their TSH, which annoys me because I always, I want, I want to see like a full thyroid panel all the time. And what also gets missed a lot of times in lab work is like your thyroid antibodies. Cause you don't know if it's like your run of the mill hypothyroidism, or if it's like the autoimmune version, which is the Hashimoto's disease where you've got to run the auto the antibodies for that to really know because there's there's a slight variation in how I would treat it. So that's important. Um, sometimes I do a reverse T3. That's also a common thing that doesn't, or it's an uncommon lab. I think a lot of doctors don't run. Uh, I, I do your complete blood count. I do your uh, metabolic panel, but some other underlying um, like more like specialty labs or functional medicine labs that I tend to order that you don't necessarily see with a, your traditional primary care, not all, not all, but would be like, um, I, I love ordering the micronutrient tests, which tests like 35 or six different um, micronutrients. So that's your vitamins, your minerals, your amino acids, your antioxidants. And what it looks at is like your white blood cells and not your red blood cells. Red blood cells are helpful in, in indicative of a lot of things, but the benefit of the white blood cells is like, it's, it's showing like a long-term picture of like the last three or six months. Whereas if you're looking at the blood, um, the red blood cells, then it, it's looking at a short-term picture and it might not be the more accurate picture. Like if you OD'd on um, D12 the day before, it might impact your results. Um, for that. So the micronutrient test, and it, you'd be amazed at like how many nutrient deficiencies can cause anxiety, depression, as well as a whole myriad of other, other conditions like weight issues or hormone issues. And it just feeds into that. And there's a lot of different things that can be, can be contributing to those deficiencies, like certain medications can be diff causing deficiencies. Um, medical conditions like uh like cancer or autoimmune conditions can can be contributing to that so or if you have a oh gut issues that's a huge one if you have like a not healthy gut that's like you're not able to absorb those nutrients um even if you're doing it supplementally so it's good to know where you're at okay and what about food allergies and intolerances oh yes that is huge you know the the funny thing food allergies was I didn't realize how big of a difference, like when I was a new doc um, seven years ago, I was really hesitant to recommend the elimination diet because it was really hard and intimidating and it was difficult. Um, but as I got more comfortable and confident over the years, 
I realize this is like the one of the first things I do is always look at food allergies and and consider have them consider the elimination diet because it is it can be so effective it you know sometimes it resolves a hundred percent whatever they're dealing with digestive wise or mood wise or um, migraines perhaps is another common food allergy thing that we see and because I started seeing like it was so effective and even if it wasn't a hundred percent resolution of whatever they're dealing with it was like at least a considerable amount like 50 60 percent improvement which is huge and then for the remaining amount where they're not quite to where they want to be then we can explore other things so for me i always always start with nutrition because it's the foundation of health and what you put in your body really impacts how you feel in your mind and your body so i always go there so like common ones like I mentioned before, it's the, like the dairy, the sugar, the gluten, um, eggs is a, another potential one, soy, corn. This one like is the hardest probably for some people to cut out is coffee. <laughs> and it's surprising because that can like, it's like a slow buildup. You might not notice it, but um, when you cut it out, after you go through the withdrawal symptoms, you might notice uh, a difference in like your mind doesn't race so much perhaps. Or for me, I don't feel like energy. I still drink coffee. <laughs> I love my coffee, but I try to like to, I try to limit it. But for me, I notice when I I cut out coffee for a while, I sleep better. It doesn't give me energy, but I notice like it kind of interrupts my sleep when I'm doing it a little too much. So I kind of those are little subtle things that you want to pay attention to. Right, and you know, we're, there's a difference between allergies and intolerances, right, mm -hmm. and sensitivities, and it. And, and like you said, for some people, we're not talking about an allergy and we're talking more about an intolerance or sensitivity. Mm -hmm. It might be that you have, that you just need to limit it or only eat it periodically instead of consuming it every day. Like you talked about caffeine and one of the big things with caffeine, like you said, withdrawal symptoms, that means there's an addiction. That's an addiction exactly. symptom mm -hmm. is when you withdraw from something and you have headaches that yeah. means you're addicted. Your your body is physically addicted to something. So that's not a, a healthy thing for us to set ourselves up for. Sugar is, is similar in that people oh, become addicted to it and they can have withdrawal symptoms if they stop eating it or they, they crave it. And same thing with, with, uh, with, with coffee and to, you know, and extent, you know, certainly alcohol too. And, and this time of year, a lot of times people are looking for those substances. Mm -hmm. And so even if we limit our consumption of those, then we don't become addicted to them, right? And so that there's right. huge health uh, benefits to not, not being addicted to these substances, not becoming physically addicted, emotionally addicted mm -hmm. to them, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, yeah, you were absolutely hit the nail on the hammer about, you know, distinguishing between food allergies and like food intolerances or sensitivities, because it, it's, it's not necessarily like a full blown allergy where you break out in hives and like you need an EpiPen because you might die. It's like these food sensitivities, they impact our body. They might not be like life threatening, but they impact our mood. They impact our weight. They impact our our um, digestion for sure <laughs> impact a lot of different body systems and 
what I like a visual like I help patients see is like it's it's not might be one thing or another that you is gonna like aggravate you it's the accumulation of all of it so I like have people envision like a bucket a bucket of like liquid or water and like your and like that bucket is your body basically and your body can tolerate a certain amount of junk <laughs> it can our bodies are very resilient so like you fill that bucket with like inflammatory foods pollutants uh toxins like all of that your body can handle it up to a point but it starts to fill up and and then eventually it just can't do it anymore and it spills over and that's when those symptoms happen and you just feel like gross that's where it's like a lot of people don't realize they're like i'm not I'm not allergic or sensitive to gluten because I, I didn't have that issue. And then all of a sudden in their thirties or the forties, they have it. And it's, it's not because you were just like intolerant, it's just because you built up over time, those toxins and those chemicals and those pollutants are just, or those inflammatory factors are just building up. And it's just like, your body could only handle it so much. So you got to reduce the trigger load. So in the elimination diet, when you start to reintroduce foods, you might not like notice any subtle like extreme change but you definitely notice when you've taken everything out for those few weeks you feel way better in your body so that's the difference yeah absolutely and and i know you know you talked about this sort of this tipping point where we hit mm -hmm. our body hits a certain threshold mm -hmm. and starts developing symptoms and definitely i've seen that a lot in my practice as well where somebody um, will, will be fine for eating a particular mm -hmm. food for a while and then all of a sudden it changes for them or maybe it's been right. more gradual like they said yeah and i used to be able to eat this food every now and then but now i'm realizing i can't eat any at all and mm -hmm. and also that reason why you you might look at other people and say why is it that they can get away with eating all this sugar or they drink so much mm -hmm. coffee and and they seem to be healthy and maybe that person hasn't hit that threshold yet but if they continue right. um i mean like if coffee is their only you know the only thing they do then maybe they'll be fine because <laughs> yeah. coffee is not necessarily um toxic for everybody you know it's right. certainly can, it can be, yeah it'd be fine mm -hmm. but but if you know uh at some point in their life if they're doing a lot of, if they're exposed to a lot of toxins or eating a lot of unhealthy foods at some point it's probably going to catch up with them and genetics certainly play a role in this right so oh, somebody absolutely. might have uh, genetic predispositions that make them more sensitive to not being able to, to more sensitive to toxin exposure so they their body is not as able to naturally eliminate those toxins and so their tipping point is going to happen at a at maybe a lower threshold right oh absolutely genetic definitely plays a role and and sometimes it feels unfair to people because it's a luck of the draw of like what your genetics are going to be but i like to you know encourage people and realize you know lifestyle plays a huge role in in the whole thing like you know people people say like genetics plays a role in their like diabetes or their heart disease or their cancer and it does it does increase your risk but like for for, I forget the statistics, it's like 80 or 90% of diabetes can be prevented with lifestyle change. Um, like heart, same with heart disease, it's like 80 or 90% of it could be prevented with lifestyle change. So yeah, genetics plays a little role, but lifestyle is bigger, <laughs> bigger piece of the puzzle. So right. yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Alice, thank you so much for sharing your tips today and what's been working in your practice and your own life. And I really appreciate your expertise. Tell everybody where they can learn, find out more about you. Yeah, you can check out my website at www.dralicefong.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. I'm doing a happiness challenge right now. That's another thing, <laughs> like a 365 days of happiness where I post every day. A little, little, little thing to appreciate of, of the day, um, to find a little joy in your everyday. I encourage you all to try it on yourself. So Instagram, Facebook at um, Dr. Alice Vaughn. Yeah, D-R-A Alice Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Great. Who couldn't use a little more happiness in their life? We can all use more, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, Alice, thanks again for coming on today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview today. To learn more about Dr. Alice, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with her interview, and you'll find all the information and links there. And while you're there, I invite you to join the Spa Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows and information. And if you haven't already got your customized skin report, you can go to theskinquiz.com Find out your skin personality type, what messages your skin's trying to tell you about your health, and what you can do about it at theskinquiz.com. Also, I invite you to join me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and join the conversation there at The Spot Doctor. And I'll see you next time on The Spot Doctor Podcast.